episode 164 of Friends of Film, where you bring the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is Greta. As always, I'm your host, Kubruid, and this week I'm joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first post-Oscars 2019 show. That's correct. Do we have any gripes? We have plenty of gripes. I mean, yes, there's gripes to be had. I'm just happy Black Panther made it out. There were three wins, so... Yes, me too. I was hoping. Now, see, this is why your idea. Oh, 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 we need a new best director category or new best filmmaker category, some kind of best new artist category. Oh, I think Mel, it's like at the Oscars. We need like a new best director category. I was oh, like, oh, where we come back? I was like, I was like, I was like, yeah. I was like, what's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need. Like first, you just want time. like a, a rising, some kind of like best new artist. So then it'd be like Bo Burnham, Bradley Cooper. Uh, yes, Ari Aster, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, who's the other big one? I uh, have no idea. There was another one. Uh, uh, oh, John Krasinski. Yes, he could yes. be in there. Not to yes. this third feature. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, those other ones like no one really even knows about except for Meet the Hollanders. Meet the Meet the Hollands. Meet the Hollands. Is that it? I believe so. It's something like uh, Halperts or uh, it's not Halperts. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but still. Uh, but point is though, they also need to do your idea of releasing the vote totals. Thank you, because. I want to know what split the vote because I feel like I, I know I know without a shadow of a doubt if Black Panther or Black Klansman had been in there by themselves, they would have won Best Picture. Do you think that they split the vote between each other? I think they split the vote between each other Maybe. and then the people were like, Star is born. Ooh. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I would love to see that kind of stuff happen. I understand why the Academy probably will never do that because then it's like, oh, well, nobody gave like – a single vote for a star is born for some mm-hmm. reason got n- no votes for like no first place votes. And so like, I understand like why that would happen. But at the same time, like, yeah, I'd love to know if it was like green book won by a mile because everybody put it at their number one, or mm-hmm. if it was cause it's a preferential ballot for best picture. If green book won, cause it was getting four and five votes all the way around. So just like barely won the top spot. Is it ranked choice voting? Yes, and so that is basically how we do our consensus lists. Mm-hmm. That's how the best picture decided. So it's not, every, it's not whoever gets the like. It's not like a most points. It's, like, it's, it's not like MVP voting in the NBA, where whoever gets the most top votes wins MVP. Mm-hmm. It's whoever grades out the best, basically. Wow, not a fan of that. I think, yeah. Not I mean, I know that's how it is. I guess I don't know if that's how the NBA does it. But I think that is how they oh, do even it. Even then, that's a dumb way to do it. I feel like they would have won then. How, I mean, how, how else could you do it? If you can't do a preferential and you can't do it by just top spot, there's no other way to <laughs> to get it. <clears throat> I would do ranked choice, where if it can't be like you, oh, it's like number one, this is what I want to win best picture. Uh-huh. And then it's, if that can't win, I want this one to win. Okay. And then if that can't win, then I want this one to uh-huh. win. If that one can't win, I want this one to win. Yeah. But that's preferential. I guess in a way. I think the only the way you could do it is like vote by like rounds. So it's like, all right, here's your nine nominees. Yes. Everybody has to rank those. All right, the consensus number nine you, gets cut out. Then you mm-hmm. have to re-rank your eight. Eight gets lo- cut until you make it to the top two. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a better way to do it, and but it's, an, it's, and it's possible. An academy, and then that's that's what they're there for is to sit around smoke cigars and then be like i mean they're they're doing nothing they're sitting on their butts in some ways i mean they're so. not even watching all the movies they're voting exactly. for in half the cases so <laughs> Ugh. well any other gripes any other gripes no not really I mean, we got spider-verse got an oscar yeah so that's good black panther got three oscars mm-hmm. 
Spike Lee got his Oscar. He did. Sam um, Jackson. I know, like a perfect <laughs> metaphor of like, you know, the Knicks losing streak. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he didn't know when he went out there with that, with that anecdote that Spike was getting that Oscar. I don't it know. Just, I mean, his reaction. His he, reaction was good though. Yeah. So, but anyway, that was the best moment. That and Olivia Coleman, like the oh, best Oh, yes. Olivia Coleman surprise. Uh, and then you, I loved the, the memes and gifts that were going around of Chadwick Boseman's response mm-hmm. to Green Book winning, which I thought were hilarious. The the self-awareness to pick out the camera in the back, or yeah. maybe he's looking at somebody in the crowd. He was looking at just... Michael B. Jordan because he was oh. sitting right behind him. And he just turns <laughs> and was like, yep, that just happened. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, well, if you're looking for films that we think are great or are the best, two friends in film, you can find those on Twitter, at Friends in Film. And if you're looking for all the shows where we review those various same movies, you can get those on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts can be found. But most importantly, could you please go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review us? That'll ultimately help rank us, and then we can find more friends of the show. Exactly. And I think, actually, we have a giveaway we to finally announce. We do have a giveaway. We've been delaying this. Not delaying this. We just have forgotten about it for mm-hmm. weeks. Uh, we have a free digital copy a first man yes. to give away uh, in honor of its Oscar wins, right? One Oscar was it, was just win, win one for win. best visual for, effects. Yeah, and somehow Justin Horowitz's score did not it get did not. nominated, which is which is atrocious. <laughs> but of course, I mean the guy with Black yeah, Panther, Ludwig Göransson. They're best friends with Ryan Coogler. That's so cool. I learned that that night, and that was like <laughs> that like touched my heart in so many ways. So I was okay with it. Yeah. So I think we're doing just itunes review yes please so we'll, you'll have which, which we'll give them a week we haven't discussed this mm-hmm. before so we're doing one week two weeks one week two weeks depending on if you do it or not okay so <laughs> leave us a review yeah go leave us a review and if you do you can get a free digital copy to first man send so. us a screenshot we'll drop you in mm-hmm. and it will be yours yes so on that note before we get into our view of greta the first post Oscars movie of 2019 for us. Uh, anything else you watched recently that you want to tell people about? Yes, I w- and I will have something written about this, so you should be you should see it on Twitter. But I reviewed um, Elogifer's directorial debut, "The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind," mm-hmm. and it is it is it is it's charming and feel good, but also like really sad, like heartbreaking, like all the ways those. Um, I don't say epic, but like really underdog stories are mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. Elodifer is amazing in it. Like there's a reason the dude is an Oscar winner. Right. Like all the way through. It's like this dad who's just like, we need to farm or else we're going to lose. And then at the same time, he's putting his kids through school and his kid eventually learns how to like build this windmill. Um, it's played by Maxwell Simba. And he just crushes it the entire way through. It's like this sly witty kid who knows how to, uh, I mean, basically, he basically knows physics and how to build windmills and like all of these farming things and that takes them all sorts of places and it's, it was really really good especially for a directorial debut all right um it's on netflix so you can jump on it right away um and if i had to give it well the ticket sub rating is online yeah. is so this you why you there. want a new director's category at the oscars yes. would you put i would put him in there exactly i would put him right up there right away because right. this is abs- this is this is stellar okay uh i watched a movie that is also on netflix but it's not a netflix original Tears of the Sun. It's an old Antoine Fuqua movie. Ooh. Never seen, never really heard of before. Um, it pre, stars Bruce Willis. Pre or post? It was, it's post training day. Okay. But uh, pre everything else is done <laughs> <laughs> after that. Uh, so it came out, I think, 2003. And 
The movie stars Bruce Willis as a like Navy SEAL guy who has to like go into the fort into the uh, the forest of Africa and get this uh, this doctor out of there because like the government's like collapsing over there. Hmm. It, so interesting premise. Unfortunately, pretty underwhelmed by the movie, uh, which I was surprised by because it's Antoine Fuqua uh, and he's amazing. But the movie just lacked like. I don't know. Maybe I had different expectations for it. Like I was expecting like an Antoine Fuqua war movie and it was more just like a, Hey, we need to get these people through a jungle. And so it, it's, it's pretty slow. There's not a lot that really happens. And then when like, there's a flip of like the characters in a bit where it's like, all right, well now you're going to do this. And now this is your like new mission you're taking on. And when that happens, it's like, okay, like I understand why they're doing that to a certain degree, but you're also disobeying your direct orders. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what's going on here. And I think just one of the real criticisms for me was in all these like war movies where you have a group of soldiers together, these movies excel because of like the bond between them, the, mm-hmm. the brotherhood whether it's Saving Private Ryan or Lone Survivor or countless others. Um, but this one just like didn't give me any of that. It was just like, oh, Bruce Willis is here and he's leading the charge and he's saving Monica Bellucci. And it's just like, that's it. I was going to say, just looking at like the teaser trailer that Netflix rolls for uh-huh. you or online or whatever, and it's just him and them talking, like yeah. walking, talking, and then that's it. There's not even any, like, is the action okay? The action is good once it gets there in the third act, but it's just like, it takes you know, an hour 35 to get there. And it's okay. just like, Ugh. so not uh, Fuqua's best work, but you know, it's on Netflix. If you want to check it out He's and going complete more of your Fuqua's library, Oscar drama, maybe. Yeah. But I don't think that's what Greta was going for. As we can get into <laughs> no. our review of Greta, I have re-up on the site friendsoffilm.wordpress.com, uh, which basically just summarizes that there is some not, I can't, I don't know if I can say good parts to Greta. There are some fun parts to it. And then there's some not fun parts to it where there's uh, Isabel Huppert's performance where she just goes for it. And you're like, all right, this is kind of hilarious and fun and ridiculous. And I'm, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's just like, all right, but now we have to drag this. I mean, it's only 90 minutes long, but it feels much longer than that because it's like there's only so many different ways for Greta played by Hubert to stalk Francis played by Chloe Grace Moretz. And it's just like, here now she's standing over there. Mm-hmm. Now she's following you here. Now she's following you there. And it's just like, there's only so much you can do wrong with the, uh, director, Neil Jordan decided not to give us any backstory, really pick up, um, Francis's story along the way. And I thought that was a good decision. Cause it just kind of let the movie start and move quickly. But then once her and, um, Greta meet and start hanging out. It's like, all right, this is like, okay. Cause it's like, you know, the two people grieving over people they've lost before finding, you know, new relationships that they mm-hmm. can find love out of somehow. And, but then like, there's just like that, like a snap of a finger. And then all of a sudden Greta goes from being just like a kind of sweet old lady with a, a little bit of quirk to her to now full on psychopath. And this is like that transition happens so quickly. And then it just kind of spirals out of control from there. Yeah. I mean, the, the third act is just kind of so ridiculous and insane that it's somewhat enjoyable and like a, this is so bad. It's good kind of a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the second act is just kind of like, it's just happening and I'm just kind of bored by everything yeah. that's going on. The third act is both surreal and absurdist in just so many ways that you're like, if this had been the whole movie, Right. This would have been something like in else entirely that you could have been like totally on board for the entire way through. Yeah, like, there, like there's a moment that happens in the movie where I was like, 
oh my gosh, like I wish this was the movie that was happening the entire time. Her balleting away from like the crime scene. It's a little bit before that. We'll get it. We'll get into it. Spoilers. Um, And like, so those ridiculous aspects of Greta, I think is the reason to see it if you see it at all, but it's not like an easy, Oh, you have to go see this because it tries to be smart and clever and like twists and turns along the way, Mm -hmm. but it's not like even I saw it with my, one of my younger sisters and she is like, uh, you know, bless her heart. She's from the very beginning. She was like, Oh, because we were the only two people in the theater mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was like, Oh, I bet anybody's going to be able to figure out what's mm-hmm. happening here. So, uh, I mean, yeah, there's not a lot of embracing the silliness of Greta, but also providing some levity, which was, I think I thought much needed <laughs> be all the best warning signs yeah. possible. And she uh, did great. But other than that, I mean, who pairs? It's not really the only need to go rush out to see. So see at your own risk. It's a two and a half ticket stub movie out of five. Like I'll for- I won't forget about it. Cause there's a couple moments that I think I'll always remember about mm-hmm. this movie, but otherwise it's just kind of a, oh yeah, I remember watching that and then never doing anything else about it again. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. It is with great regret that I can't give. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I knew you were going to hate me for that. Uh, that I can tell you this movie is excellent. It's good. And all of the fun, like there are two categories of movies, the fun ones, mm-hmm. the ones that are trying to be serious, but aren't. And the ones that are serious and they land all their punches and they do all the right things and you get motion out of them. This one, it's doing too much with too little, like you said, but you it still just ekes out a lot of, I mean, a, a great 90 minutes at the theater. You could absolutely have had a worse time. That's, in, I guess that's true. In, in, a, in a lot of ways. Um, it, is, it is patently absurd in the final 35 minutes, and that is where the fun is. It's just, it is, whether or not you're enjoying the movie or not for the other hour, get to Isabel Hooper's final 35 minutes of this movie and you will be rewarded greatly like you you will leave the theater because that was insane and i loved every second like a delightfully insane not like my mind melted from confusion and uh you know like chucky levels of maniacal insanity Uh so you're you're great there and i just want to know all the things about hooper because she's an actress i have no clue about at all. It looks like Oscar she's a, winner. Oscar winner? Mm-hmm. She won for a movie called L in like 2006, I think. Mm-hmm. And actually, Neil Jordan is an Oscar winning writer, Oscar nominated director for The Crying Game 1992, which is kind of surprising after this movie. <laughs> that Okay, though, that's this is a crazy turn for him then. But good but, on him. But apparently, I, I haven't seen The Crying Game, but from what I've heard, The Crying Game has a crazy twist all on its own, which kind of makes me want to go check it out. <laughs> mm, well, I need, yeah, my cinematic history is just so blindsided. But anyway, she is perfect. And as I like talk, we'll talk about all of the ways specifically here in a moment. Uh, Chloe Grace does her thing. Um, vulnerable, sweet, like someone you would totally buy wanting to be best friends with an older lady. I mm-hmm. thought this movie does a good and bad thing for, you know, reaching out to the infirmed <laughs> and elderly who may not have any friends. Or just being kind and returning purses. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like you said, um, Michael Morrow, terrific as, like, the uh, the New Yorker, the, the skeptical New Yorker who's just, you know, like super overcautious, not overcautious, but, like, you know, knows what to do and mm-hmm. what not to do. And adds plenty of levity and fun um, to like the offbeat moments or whatever the case is. But yeah, it just does too much with too little. You, the, the, the weirdness of Greta comes out like 20 minutes into the movie. Probably. 
right at the 20 minute mark i would say i would say it's probably a little later than that but yeah and then it's just kind of like here's all the ways greta's harassing her until those final 35 Mm -hmm. where it becomes like a psychological thriller and like one or two moments you're like oh i think that's what you're talking about maybe that could be like the interesting parts of the Mm -hmm. movie of how greta like abuses people but it never gets there. Or like and why then, she started doing that in the first place. Uh, <laughs> like Right. There's there's so many things we don't know. But if focus features wanted to like, you know, start running with a Greta cinematic universe, <laughs> I like Saw or something, I, I, I would, I'd be here for it because uh, it would be... Tell all the previous adventures of hers. Or, or the, the next ones. Spoilers. Maybe. Um, so I'm, I'm all about that. Uh, and so I'm going to give it three and a half tickets. Whoa, okay, okay. Because I didn't... You, I, you really just enjoyed the campiness of it, it. It was exactly what I thought it was from the first trailer. I did not get falsely advertised. Jordan was absolutely not trying to make it one thing and then make it another thing. But it certainly could have used a punch-up or two, at least in the beginning, or some other mm-hmm. element. And it doesn't have that. But like, if it'll pop up on Netflix, I'm sure, before the end of the year... Absolutely watch it then. You'll watch it again. Absolutely watch it again. Wow. Okay. So let's move into spoilers here. Um, And I want to start off by talking about the moment that I was just like, uh, like, this is the movie I I was hoping this whole thing was going to be. When uh, this is after Greta has already kidnapped Francis and drugged her and basically made her like her surrogate daughter. And she's teaching her how to bake something. I don't remember what it was. And then all of a sudden, she's just like holding a cookie cutter around her finger and, you, and then Francis just like looks at it and I'm just like oh my gosh like just smash it smash the cookie cutter and then she just goes and she does it she smashes yeah. it and then the finger comes flying off blood squirts everywhere and I was like this is amazing like this is so ridiculous that I just wish like from there on out Greta was just like so insane that I was on board for her but it was just like nothing before that could match that insanity where I was like oh man like, if mm-hmm. this was what this whole movie was, this kind of over-the-top, ridiculous uh, thriller stalker nature, like, I, I would have been here for it. Yeah. Uh, okay, like, that, that, is, that is a great moment. Yeah, because she, she takes, like, a rolling pin, I think, because they're making cookies. And uh, Mortez just, like, yeah, like you yeah. said, just all down here. And then the point where I was, like, shocked it was going on. Because prior to that moment, we had seen, some like, this idea that whatever Greta was drugging her with was also, like, a psycho tropic drug right. th- that was causing her to have panic attacks or um about certain situations so like it showed her like almost dying in the elevator to her apartment mm-hmm. which she would have to go to to like you know escape or whatever the case i'm like that's why um her first daughter like ended up killing herself in the first place um and who was pl- who, and then her partner was played by by zawe ashton yes from from velvet B- buzzsaw, buzzsaw and other things yes right uh, but neither here nor there, like those things just don't get explored. You just learn that Greta had basically abused or, you know, driven her daughter mad so much that she ended up committing suicide. Um, but I thought that's the direction we were going to go. And it was going to be all about how Greta like conditions Mortez to like, um, or Francis to basically be fearful of everything uh-huh. until eventually she gets rescued or something like that comes along and it didn't go that way. We just got to see her play doll and get put in the box a few mm-hmm. times. And the box is super scary. By it the is. Way. That's a, that, that's a scary thing. Especially when she whips it open uh, yeah. for the first time to confront Martez after like banging on it and everything like that. So those things are like, Ooh, that's really EBGB and creepy. And like you, you get claustrophobic from it, but they don't really, 
push on any of those ideas. Mm -hmm. So then when you get to the final, like 30 minutes, because it starts so late, the, you just run out of traction and that's it. Right. Like I was, uh, as much as I love the finger cutting scene, like it also kind of highlights some of the problems with Greta. Like, even though it's like, Oh, like this ridiculousness is what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. Like that, that is what is giving this movie life at this moment for me. It also then goes from that to, all right, like you chopped a finger off. That's great. Good for you, Francis. But like, why stop there? Like, (laughs) why not just keep bashing over the head with your club? And then she just like runs to the door to like find the key. Can't find the key. What does she do next? Runs to the basement. What are you doing? Like yes. it, that was just like, uh, like come on, like you gotta be smarter than this, like Francis, but also the movie, like mm. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean that it's, it, that's where it gets tropey. It's like oh, here go down, go down to the murder basement, find the other bodies mm. of her other victims. But it's like that person was still alive down there. Like uh, I didn't get that part. Yeah, she like, was, I was like, she was breathing, but she's like, don't worry about her. I'm like, Ooh, she's down there slowly dying. I don't right. know what the deal was. Was that the girl who was in her apartment when? Francis first, first showed up. Yes. Absolutely. Which was, it's that moment where I was like, even my sister Emma was just like, oh, when when there's banging and she's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> which I, I thought it was just so, so comical. Like, it's, it's hard not to see it coming. Just where uh, Greta then just gets up and just like walks over to the wall and is like, oh, my neighbors. She's just mm-hmm. like, excuse me, excuse me, like, please be quiet. And it's just like, then the thumping stops. She's like, oh, my neighbors. And it's just like, like what? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's clearly not your neighbor. You clearly have locks put away. Right? Yeah, you're yeah, you're clearly living in a single house. Or I don't even know what it is. She's basically got her own little garden off the main street, or whatever right. the case is. Like you, yeah, you don't have neighbors. Like, like who's buying that? But apparently, Francis did. I, unfortunately um, for her. But it doesn't get my favorite. Like what I realized that it just became surreal for me that like what I was watching is when the detective shows up, who's looking for um, Francis because uh-huh. they're sent by her father who like ducks in and out of this movie in really weird moments, which I thought was totally unnecessary. He shows up at Greta's place looking for um, Francis and he starts to basically figure out like, okay, this lady's kind of on to something uh-huh. here. She drugs him before he can really jump on it. And then, Starts to shoot at her, and then Greta starts like balleting back yeah. and forth while he slowly loses consciousness, and like all the life ekes out of him. And then finally, when he drops the gun, keeled over, she picks it up. And she's like, "Oh, such a shame!" And then picks it up, laces him with like three bullets, yeah, and then just ballets across <laughs> the the rest of the house. And you're just kind of like that they're watching it, and it's like, what on earth? is going on yeah um and then eventually we get like the old princess bride switcheroo with the poisons uh right when uh, micah moreau shows up whose name i don't character's name i don't remember uh i do not remember that either just call her like kelly or something <laughs> that sounds you know like whoever they live in brooklyn with that kind of name and then like as soon as she showed up, like with the fake Texas accent, I was like, okay, this is clearly your best friend. It, who, it's Erica. Erica. There it, we so, go. So that was my question. When did you know that that was Micah Monroe? As soon as she walked up to the house. I'm like, why aren't they showing the face? Oh yeah. Like the second, like, uh, like the bag was picked up. I was like, all right, like, oh, like it's the next victim sort of thing. And then mm-hmm. she just walks off and it's just the boots shot. And I was just like, why are you just showing her, her boots? Which then I, I don't know if this is true or not. I told this, to my sister when, I, when we saw it i was just like i think those may have been the boots that she had to, that uh francis was trying to pick between when she was like all right which one do you want to pack 
and like she wants to pack the other ones. But I was mm-hmm. like, I feel like, and they were just like so like fancy and kind of outlandish. I was like, those seem like shoes that like Erica would wear because she had like those super glittery, sparkly ones earlier mm-hmm. that she was going to try out. And I was like, all right, this is totally her best friend. Right. And sure enough, it was. And I was just like, but it's just like, it's so weird because then I was expecting like her to have like glasses on or something. Like she had a wig, yes, but like, like Greta, <laughs> haven't yeah. you not noticed this? That, on, that this is her best friend. You stalked Francis all over her Facebook. You, were, you looked at several pictures of Erica. You even stalked her part time. You couldn't recognize that that was her <laughs> right there. She's definitely a pedestrian murderer. I was, that's just for like, sure. I was like, man, like you're you're really slacking it, Greta. You kind of lost some credibility there for me. She was uh, she was distracted by the the thought, the tantalizing prospect of a new victim to so. to shove in the closet. Which also, mm-hmm. uh, speaking of kind of things I was like, all right, I think I know where like this is going to a certain yes. degree. Uh uh Greta's daughter not actually being alive. Did you see that coming? Yes. As soon as she said she was in Paris, out of country, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Somewhere where you can't go visit or call mm-hmm. or, you know, have someone easily just hop over there, take a look at. Yeah, definitely not there. I had my suspicions when they were just like she was acting like she was talking to her on the phone. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this just doesn't seem real. I don't know why, but like this conversation just seems super fake to me. Yeah. I was like, oh, it turns out because she's just talking to nobody. And then like, what are the joys of the Greta, like at least watching one trailer for the Greta movie is you know she's insane the entire mm-hmm. time. And so that makes, it kind of colored my viewing experience right. of like, oh wow, here's all the ways that she is crazy. There's mm-hmm. no way she has a daughter at all. Or she does, but or right. she did in one time, but definitely using Martez um, or Francis as like one of those ways or, you know, as a surrogate or mm-hmm. whatever the case is. So, yeah. So the only other thing I want to mention here, mm-hmm. which is, it, I'm not even sure if this is accurate, I guess, but it's more just like, a, I'm not, maybe they were going for this in the movie. Maybe they weren't sort of a thing. Did you get any vibe at all that mm. Greta wanted more than just a mother daughter relationship with Francis? No. Okay. Did not get that. There was just like something that was like strangely, maybe just because of like you were mentioned, like that colored view of Greta, of Greta. Cause it was like, all right, she's kind of crazy, mm-hmm. but like, she just kept like touching her and like, like she got into bed with her at that one point, And then she's kind of like my love, my love. Like I was like, I don't know. And then like, even th- like when Zawe Ashton shows up, like she mentioned that like Greta's daughter was a lesbian. So I was like, I mean, I have no idea. It was just like one of those thoughts that popped in my head of like, maybe Greta was looking for something more than just mother daughter. But again, I may have just been reading too much into what was happening. Yeah, I think that I think that I think that's a stretch because it's just like doting on her and things like that. Yeah, she's like she's like the little girl who needs a friend and a mm-hmm. mother, and like that's what she kept yelling at her. So I think that's I think that's the relationship more than yeah. anything else. No, I, I would I would, I would probably agree with you, but it's just like one of those things. Huh. They just keep like I don't know. They're just like those little moments. Where I was like I don't know. There's something else that's just maybe and again it may just because Greta's just a strange person. So and Swedish like, and you know all <laughs> there's different forms of affection. That's true. That's true. That's true. Have for kids, even uh, if they are strangers and holding them against their will. Right. <laughs> I mean, is there anything else we need to get into about Greta? There or is... isn't really anything else. I'm just surprised to know that Jordan is a Oscar winner, writing on and directing this kind of a movie. Yeah. So I'm gonna need to take a peek at his filmography. Yeah. Same. I'll need to check out his Oscar-winning work here at uh, some point in the future. But, uh, yeah, I mean, unlike you, I, I will not watch this one again. So okay. it was it was fine. It was a fun one-time watch. But I don't, I've <laughs> there's so many other things to watch to 
I don't think Greta deserves my time for a second. I should I should have I should have given a a qualifier there. I want to show this movie to okay. someone else. Gotcha. I mean, I don't like you said. There's so much else to do. I don't have time to sit down and be like, well, "All right, Greta, round three. <laughs> round three. Wow. Or you know, whatever the case is. So uh, I think that is all we have then for our view of Greta. I give it two and a half ticket stubs out of five. Josh gives it three and a half ticket stubs out of five. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. I thought you cared about me. Where are you? Where's my heart? Where is the dream we started? I can't believe. Inter back with the news, and as always, going to start with our three main topics this week, starting with a Bond 25 casting update, as we have three new pieces of intel about who may or may not be in the movie, For starting off with a report from Collider, where they revealed that Rami Malek, the recent Oscar winner for Bohemian Rhapsody, is now likely to play the villain of Bond 25 after his schedule with Mr. Robot has been cleared up, so it looks like Rami will be going up against Daniel Craig in Daniel Craig's final outing as 007. Then we also got a report from Variety where they said that Billy Magnuson is being eyed for a role of a new CIA agent. Uh, and he obviously has a history with Fukunaga in the past or with Maniac. So there's a connection there. And then there were also reports this week that Lupita Nyong'o is being eyed for a female lead role. But Deadline has since updated their article to say that no deal will be made with Lupita. So... We had the potential for Lupita to be in here. It looks like it's not going to happen. So we have Malik and likely Magnuson as well. Is this a nice start to the Bond Twenty Five cast? Yes, it is a great start because they're total. They're people that n- absolutely Lionsgate would not cast. Lionsgate. Uh, it's MGM and Eon. Uh, question mark. Lionsgate does jump like. Yeah. yeah. Yes. They're definitely people that don't belong in Bond. Not say don't belong. You would not put in a one of those prior Bond movies, especially the last four. Four? Yeah. Yeah, Daniel Craig, yeah. Mm-hmm. It would not have put them in there anywhere at all, especially Billy Magnuson, because he's he's, an ex- he, he's like, he's tall, huge, and like buff, but at the same time, all of his roles have been sort of like wacky and whimsical mm-hmm. and slightly unhinged in yeah. all sorts of ways. And the, none of that it says, cast me in Bond, but... There he is, but then, but Rami's the one that I'm just like. He's even even as an Oscar winner, I don't think anyone takes him seriously yet. Even still, I, I think especially after Bohemian Rhapsody, it's more like, mm, all right, right, exactly. And then because the, that role required him to be kind of eccentric and weird, but at the same time, he's like lip syncing and like it's it's a fun role for him. Right, everybody but just makes fun of the teeth. <laughs> it's karaoke, you know. And then to be like, all right, toss him in Bond. I love it because I think he's a great actor. And outside of Bohemian Rhapsody, obviously, he's he's great. In you know, he's Rhapsody. good in Bohemian Rhapsody, but like, not that not not the thing he won an Oscar for is not why he should have ever won an Oscar. That makes sense. Sure. Like if we could have given him an Oscar for Mr. Robot a while ago, then yes, we would have been <laughs> well, gold. I think those are called Emmys. <laughs> yes, but the same. I mean, you know what? You just it's a transitive performance. Um, <laughs> So that I think that's kind of why like I'm really excited about this is because he's going to be someone on the big screen, 
for like the first time and we can see like a, the true range mm-hmm. of the dude. And that's why the Lupina news is so bad. I didn't even see that. Yeah. I just saw it before we started recording. I was like, man. I hope deadline is wrong, <laughs> but they probably wouldn't have jumped it out. I mean, so definitive. I doubt they're going to be like. Yeah. They said that her team told them that it won't work because of scheduling or something. So hmm. if her team is saying that, it's not like sources say, like if they're going straight up, like her team denies the story specifically. I feel like that's probably just like, yeah, it's not happening. Yeah. Which but is I'm, unfortunate. But. It is unfortunate because she would have been kick butt. Yeah. But they could totally go back for, um, Mombatha Ra has been yeah. in the previous Bond films, right? Mm, that's her, that I don't her? believe so. Oh, I'm going to regret getting those wrong then. <laughs> but um, the, who's, been, who's been playing Money Penny for the last? Oh, uh, Naomi Harris. Naomi Harris. Naomi Harris. Yeah, she's she's going to be back. Oh, she's returning. Good. Uh, ben Wishaw is returning. Ralph Fiennes is returning. And uh, Leia Sado are all returning. So it's more of these are the new people who had joined so far. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, Lupita would have been great, cause, especially because it's like, her role in Black Panther is like a CIA agent kind of, but you don't get to see that side of her. Mm-hmm. And it's like to see like get like that sort of like a lead, like not total Bond girl role. Cause I don't think Lupita would take that. And maybe that's why she turned it down potentially. If it's just like a, Oh, be the other love interest opposite like Leia Sado or something. It's like, nah, <laughs> I'm a Pinago and Oscar winning actress. I've got better things to do than play Daniel Craig's love interest. Yeah, absolutely. Like, but to see her on screen, like, blowing things up and oh, being yeah. like a total uh, a double O agent would have been, or a double agent would have been awesome. Um, but yeah, like maybe hopefully it's just scheduling and not anything to do with the role because if it's just scheduling, a Danae Guerrero would be perfect too. I, I thought about that. I mean, it's an obvious one because it's just like go Black, Black Panther. Panther and, yeah. Like if you want to go really, and just get Letitia right in there. Oh yeah. <laughs> just like make sure it's not definitely not a love interest role or anything. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think Malik has, I think really exciting potential as the Bond villain. I mean, he's following Christoph Waltz and Javier Bardem, the two most recent Bond villains for Daniel Craig. And uh, I just like the idea of him going from Bohemian Rhapsody to then being like, all right, I'm going to go like terrorize Daniel Craig. And whether Mm -hmm. it's a physical role or if it's more of like a, a mastermind sort of a role, I could see either one from working. There were, I think old rumors that the villain of this new Bond movie was going to be uh, Moroccan. Who's also blind. So if that's the case, it would make, I mean, Malik is of Egyptian descent, so that lines up somewhat, but it's also, mm. we heard that we had that news that Scott Z. Burns is heavily rewriting the script. The script's gone through like six other different people's hands before then, so I'm not totally sure if that's actually still the case or not, but uh, Malik playing like a, not a physical threat to Daniel Craig's bond, but more of just an intellectual threat. I think that could be a really fun uh, role for Malik to play with. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be a little bit better than Christoph Waltz's, though. Yeah. They they sort of pitched him as, like, the ultimate, and then they're not bringing him back, or they didn't kill him or bring him back, so. Yes, as far as we know, which, I mean, I guess I, guess I don't think he's coming back. No, I don't think so. I mean, but he did say before he'd only returned if Daniel Craig returns, so Daniel mm-hmm. Craig's returning, so uh, I don't know. That was, like, 25 Bond 25 iterations ago, so. <laughs> That's true. And then, obviously, uh, the news of Billy Magnuson big fan of because I think Billy Magnuson's great. Uh, he's in game night. Hilarious, but mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. Ingrid goes West. He's really terrifying in that. He's briefly involved with buzzsaw. Yep. Very underused there. Um, and I like, I don't know if this is the case, but he's a CIA agent. So my idea, my 
my brain immediately went to, oh, well, he's going to be like it, this, like an action role. This is Billy Magnuson's action, you know, stunt reel basically. And like, I think that can be really exciting because he's got the looks, he's got the charm. He can be an action lead if given the chance. So if that is what bond 25 opens up the door to, then I'm all on board for this next career move for Magnuson. Same here. Same here. And I mean, cause like he, yeah, he's just done so much stuff that it's like, how, how have we not already typecast him as like this exact thing? So, and with Carrie being the director still, I get the feeling it's not going to be as traditional. Like he's going to be, I think he's still going to be able to be himself in some ways. Oh yeah. Or at least what we've seen on screen as himself. But all right. Yeah. Awesome. I'm here for it. Uh, then we also got news from Variety this week that Ghostbusters 3 has added its first two cast members, those being, those being, those being, Carrie Coon and Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. Uh, Coon will play the mother of Wolfhard, and their family is said to be central to the story here. As it appears, Jason Reitman's version has now ditched the teenager-focused angle, and it's more of a family-focused adventure instead. So... I like that change a lot because it's like, okay, teen Ghostbusters, I understand it, mm-hmm. younger appeal, whatever. But also it's just like the teenage Ghostbusters, like I don't know if I really need to see that on the screen. But if it's like a, a family of Ghostbusters, like that could be really exciting, especially because at least for me, my thought is that like, all right, Reitman, the son of Ivan Reitman, who's coming in to now direct this, take over the franchise. Yeah, I think there's going to be some familial aspect to it. Obviously, if there's, if there's a family, which makes me think that they are descendants of one of the original Ghostbusters families as well. So, and I just think, all right, who's it going to be? Like probably Bill Murray. Carrie Coon is Bill Murray's daughter, and you just move on from there. Yeah. Like I, I just feel like that could be such a fun angle, and that way it's like, all right. Like, my dad went a little crazy with all this ghost hunting thing, and now we've locked his stuff away in a shed. Nobody talks about it. And then one night, like, Finn's hanging out with Grandpa, and he just, like, finds a, a, a proton pack, and they start messing with it. And then they see the Ecto-1, and then they go on some – they find a ghost to go hunt or something, and then, like, we're off on this adventure. And, you know, if this is the case, and both Carrie Coon and Finn Wolfhard join, uh, they are very talented people, so – even if I think that's not maybe the star power, I would think they'd go for with a Ghostbusters three. I think the the talent is already there to start. The talent is absolutely there, and I think I mean Carrie Coons is basically the the star you haven't heard of yet. Yeah, and Leftovers is the best show that none of, no one has ever watched. I've never watched it. You, yeah, it's really good. I, that's why that's what I hear. <laughs> it's ba- it's basically what are those movies that they did a while ago? Left behind. It's basically it's left behind, but cool. And good <laughs> and good and, and interesting and like not the Kirk Cameron ones that were not not the Nicolas Cage one like this is just like have there been other ones there, oh yeah dude there was like a whole there's a trilogy of them I thought those were the Kirk Cameron ones yeah there was a Kirk Cameron trilogy but are there other ones besides the Nick Cage one and the Kirk Cameron trilogy no I think that's it okay I thought you're saying I thought you're saying there's others like other franchises I was like what where did I how did I miss this there's a lot of books there are there's like eight books yeah. Well, anyway, it's basically like that, but only focused on those, like, the average people. And that's why it's so good. But neither here nor there. Um, I think we've already, like, rolled our eyes and been like, when is Finn Wolfhard going to get cast in this thing or one of the Stranger Things kids? That we saw that coming, I guess, or at least. I mean, he's already worn the Ghostbuster suit. I mean, come (laughs) on. (laughs) Um, But Carrie Coons changes my whole eye roll of this entire endeavor Um, because I think she's fantastic. And if they go that family route of Ghostbusters, whether with her and whoever else they get, I mean, as long as it's not like someone we hate, 
then fine. Or I hate. But yeah, <laughs> I, I'm suddenly okay with this entire movie existing. Okay. Rather than like, why do we need this? Ghostbusters wasn't that great in the beginning <laughs> anyway. You know, type of a thing. But yeah, we'll see what Reitman's got up his sleeve. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the rest of the family makeup is like, but I'm assuming there'll be... Actually, I think they said it's a, she's a single mother. So mm-hmm. I don't know if this means it's Carrie Coon being the charge and then it's like Finn and like two other siblings or a friend or two or like, yeah, like a friend or two, or again, you get grandpa involved mm-hmm. and that's how you get Bill Murray and like his old buddies, um, to join the party. But do we have confirmation that they're going to be like, we're going to cameo the old Gus Ghostbusters? Not officially, but like all of that, well, not all of them, I guess, I guess Bill Murray is actually the only one who hasn't commented on it publicly, but Ernie Hudson and, um, Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd have been like, yeah, 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 like sign us up, <laughs> which mm-hmm. may just be like, they're, yeah. they're not doing a lot. Exactly. So it's just like, yes, please put us in a big movie again. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's, yeah, I mean, that's my attitude too. <laughs> right. Hey, I'll be in Ghostbusters 3, mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> when you have like a $100 million movie down the pipeline or coming out the pipeline. Give but, me some of that green. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 if Bill Murray would come back for the 2016 Ghostbusters yeah. as a different character, I, I can't imagine Sony not paying a pretty penny to get Bill Murray back to reprise his role here. Yeah, it would be all Bill. Whatever it would be all about whatever Bill Murray wants to do mm-hmm. at that point. So then we also have uh, news this week from Deadline that Matthew Robinson has been hired to write the script for Edge of Tomorrow Two or Live Die Repeat and Repeat or whatever the title is going to be. <laughs> uh, he reportedly pitched a new take on the sequel uh, that is going to be worked with Doug Liman. The two of them will collaborate to get this new story off the ground. Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt are both expected to return if this actually does happen. Now, Josh, you are one of the unfortunate souls who has not seen the greatness that is Edge of Tomorrow. It's true. So, yes. does this do anything for you? Uh, Matthew Robinson's movies aren't exactly my cup of tea <laughs> He's got I haven't, like seen, three the, credits, I haven't I seen the invention of lying and I have not seen monster trucks and neither have you if you have yeah. how please write in and tell me that story it was in theaters <laughs> it was in theaters but who wandered into that <laughs> I don't I, nobody monster trucks um but his take may have been interesting like nothing about his past makes me think like mm-hmm. oh the dude's got great ideas but I mean, the invention of lying was a good idea. I don't know. <laughs> but, so it's not like immediately like clear that this is going to be something incredible. Right. Um, just like just on Twitter the other day, like you were talking about or no, yesterday, literally last night. Yesterday the show, as we were recording. Yes. You were talking about Doug Lyman's like chaos walking and like Doug Lyman's already moving forward or working on this. And we still haven't seen like a second of footage <laughs> from that film, which is already shot and then reshoots. Well, has not done reshoots. I think that's has, the holdup is because Daisy, up until two weeks ago, no. was still doing Star Wars 9. So I would have to imagine, fingers crossed, not you know related to Edge of Tomorrow 2 in any ways, but I, fingers crossed that you know uh, the other movie, Chaos Walking, will do reshoots in the next couple of months. Okay, so that, that way we can actually sense. get news on it. Yeah, so I, I haven't seen the first film, so I don't know how intricate this needs to be. But I have a new infinity for Tom Cruise and a love for Emily Blunt that is undying and unwavering. So, yeah, so I this need is like to get up your alley. It's sci-fi. There's mm-hmm. time elements to it. I mean, it's it's so good. So 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 good. So uh, yeah, I think the only thing here is that like, is it too late? I mean, the first movie came in 2016, I believe. So we're already approaching three years uh, from the release of the first movie, and now we're just getting a new scripts. 
We have no production info in sight, but Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt are both super busy all the time. So it's like, where's this going to happen? When's it going to happen? And if it does happen, is it like a lost cause already? Because Edge of Tomorrow was, I mean, really well received critically, but I don't believe it was like a box office hit in any way. Uh, so I think it's really just like, I don't like, I just don't know if this is actually going to be worth it for the studio as much as I want to see it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it did like 370 million according to what I just Googled. According to Box House Mojo, but Box House Mojo also has a reported production budget of 178 million, which, uh, means that this movie did not <laughs> make money. I mean, it made some. 200 that's like it wasn't like a gold it, mine it, it, yeah I mean, you're not running always, away with a billion dollars here true but at the same time i mean 20 million dollars 20 million dollars but there are obviously higher returns that, that you that, hope that, for. yes that all depends on how on like what factors you believe like i've heard you know if you go two times your budget you're profitable but i've also heard oh no it's more like you have to go three times your budget because of marketing costs and everything so gosh it's a lot of marketing on it, like yeah, I'm not saying Edge Tomorrow Two had or Edge of Tomorrow had a hundred and seventy eight million dollar product or marketing budget, but it probably had like a fifty to a hundred million dollars somewhere in there. So I mean, we're talking this movie probably needed an extra like if it had an extra hundred million, and it was like just under five hundred worldwide. I'd be like, all right, like I I can see why, but it's just like I don't know. Maybe they're just banking off of this is Mission Impossible. You know, Tom Cruise is at the height of his powers. Emily mm-hmm. Blunt just did Mary Poppins, A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place 2 will already be out by the time this one, if, if it ever comes out. So it's like they're just banking on the star power of their two stars, which I understand. But, like, I don't know. Like, I just don't know when this is going to happen because I just thought that this, Mission Impossible 7 and 8, are filming at the end of this year, back theoretically, to back, back to back. So Cruise will be, his whole schedule will be taken up with Mission Impossible movies till like, late 2020, probably. So we're not even talking about this movie shooting for like basically two years probably. And at that case, it's like, man, I don't know. I hope it happens. I hope it's great because Edge of Tomorrow is fantastic. But I, I don't know. We'll have to see if this one actually happens. Cause is like, this movie at Paramount? Uh, Good question. Because if it's at Paramount, Paramount takes risks on movies all the time. Well, not, I guess not all the time. That's more Columbia? Whoever's the lady with the statue and sold off? It's Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers can you know takes risks. Yeah, they, oh, take, they, I, they, they take risks. And I would imagine, if anything, that they'll just find a way to keep the budget down. Like I don't really understand why. I mean, the VFX are good in Edge of Tomorrow, and like you also have to pay Cruz and Blunt a lot. Uh, but like 178 million dollars, like that just is crazy because the rest of the cast isn't like anything to like really write home about. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I hope it happens. Hope it's great. Just go watch it tomorrow. Keep the everybody. budget. Yeah, keep the budget low. You can easily get back three hundred fifty million dollars. Yeah. Especially yeah, especially now after Mission Impossible success, Emily Blunt's career has continued to skyrocket. She'll also have Jungle Cruise out next year. So I mean, she's gonna be just keep. We're talking about like increasing. she's like not already famous. But oh no, but like, I mean she is. But just like <laughs> like her star power is gonna continue to climb, and then when she gets cast as a visible woman in the MCU. It's just like mm-hmm. all bets are off. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Took me a second to be like, "What movie is that?" Wait, when did that happen? <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. Yet it's gonna happen. It's got to. Krasinski, Blunt, are fantastic. There, for are there rumblings yet? No, no, no. I feel like you just... wouldn't have jumped on the next next movie if they had, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. already contacted him. Not yet, not yet. But it'll happen. It'll happen. I hope. So let's move on to Ticket or Skip It. We have three trailers to talk about. All second trailers. What? 
I think they should call the movie Edge of Two Morrow. Well, maybe. Like number two and then Morrow. I, I like that better than Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat because they didn't even call the first one Live, Die, and Repeat. <laughs> yes, exactly. So either way, take it or skip it. Three trailers, all second trailers, those being for Detective Pikachu, Dark Phoenix, and Hellboy. Josh, there's only one choice for your ticket, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess you do have two tickets to I, hand out. I do right? have two. Oh, because of the new thing. Because <laughs> you, you held back a ticket. Oh, that's <laughs> right. I don't, know if, I don't know how we're doing this I yet. tore that ticket up. Oh, I gave okay. it to Greta or something like gotcha, that. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. We didn't even talk about Greta's trailer. But I'm here to give it to Pikachu. I mean, Detective Pikachu. It starts as like, I mean, this trailer was better than the first one in every way and then it's also funnier and then just you know i'm already hyped up for pikachu dark phoenix and hellboy can you know go there i guess i don't care (laughs) but detective pikachu i cannot believe i want to see this movie as bad as i do it looks hilarious it looks you know epic in some ways dare i say oh yeah definitely say it (laughs) like and I have been waiting for a live-action Pokemon movie. I'm not a huge fan of the thing at all. I played the games as a kid, did the cards for a little bit, and mm-hmm. then that was it. Did go when it came out for like a month and a half, That was, and I was done. Not even a month, like three weeks. And now I'm like, I wanted to hang out with Ryan Reynolds' Detective Pikachu. So take it all the way. Um, Mewtwo, everything with the miming Pokemon at the end <laughs> is still so funny. The the under like the the Pokemon battles being like underground right. like steel cage fights like a fight club is hilarious every time I see that setting so I'm sure there'll be plenty of gags and things in there and yeah I'm all about it all yeah about it. no I mean I completely agree with you it is easy it's an easy ticket I mean Detective Pikachu is going to get the ticket I think regardless this week but the Dark Phoenix and Hellboy trailers don't don't really give it much competition at all. So uh, mm-hmm. I think the song choice, another great song choice for the Detective Pikachu trailer. Um, and then, yeah, like kind of just echoing everything you said, it just looks so good and entertaining and just like lovable and enjoyable. It's like, I don't like I watching that. It's more like, Oh, like I, th- I feel like I know m- like most of the plot now that more than I did obviously with the first trailer. Um, which I think maybe you could have held some of that back here because I think you already got a lot of people to buy a ticket, you know, not technically yet, but theoretically, like, yes, I'm seeing that movie when it comes out in May. So if any, if there's a criticism to make of the trailer, it's more just like maybe you don't need to show all of the sto- all of the story beats, but at the same time, it all looks awesome and epic mm-hmm. and the action looks great and there's so many different Pokemon. And yeah, like as somebody who's never played the games, who's more of just like a, oh, I remember some of these characters from, like, Super Smash Bros. or just, like, other sort of video game things or just knowing them from pop culture. Uh, Just, like, seeing them, like, seeing people react to that, like, this trailer and seeing all these different Easter eggs Mm -hmm. so much is just, like, super cool and super exciting. That's kind of funny you would mention that because the Pokemon that are in this movie that are, like, hunting them down, basically, are a random addition to Smash Brothers, that new one that came out. It's, oh, like, really? it's like I've never seen this Pokemon before, yet they're all over this trailer. It's like that's really good. Right, I'm talking more about like uh, branding, the Charizard or whatever it's called, and mm-hmm. uh, the the blue dinosaur looking turtle one. Oh, uh, Squirtle, Squirtle, Blastoise, and uh, whatever the big puffy Mewtwo. I've known about sleepy Mewtwo guy. And, is yeah, hanging yeah. On the street. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's just gonna be it, it. They are going for the adorableness side of this uh-huh. rather than the like 
I don't know, but at the same time, it's, it's just as epic. But they're hitting all of these right notes that you need in like a a billion dollar movie. Right. Oh, this is an easy billion. Oh, absolutely. And you said it was two billion at one I point. I feel like you're, it's two you're billion. still you're still, still hanging on I'm to it. I'm still there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm still. I don't know if I can still go two billion just because it's just like that's such a crazy like franchise starter. <laughs> if you go two billion, like that's mm-hmm. basic. That's it's that's Avatar territory, and. Uh, I feel like it's more like one point like six, which is still phenomenal. It still is, but this movie this is a thirty year in the making movie. Yeah, thirty year in the making movie, and I just think the initial interest is going to be a juggernaut. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of like where it, like I think it's going to get like four four hundred million dollars domestically, another four hundred in China. Mm-hmm. That's that's eight hundred million dollars. And just like, can the rest of the world make up one point two? I feel like that's. I feel like it could go for more here domestically. Go what five to six? Yeah. So so let's say let's say it gets six. We'll Matt. We'll go real high. That's a billion between China and U.S. Can the rest of the world make up another billion? I don't know how the rest of the world likes Pokemon. <laughs> we'll find out. I guess so. I guess so. Uh, I do really want to quickly pour one out for my girl Jennifer Lawrence, who is done dirty. In Dark Phoenix's trailer, uh, assumingly they have not, they haven't actually shown us the grave yet, have they? They, the directors confirmed the grave. Oh, okay. <laughs> he confirmed in an interview, so yeah, uh, it's a pretty big spoiler for the Dark Phoenix trailer. Uh, but I mean, wow, and the makeup that they've done for her, just like I don't know if that was all done re- on reshoots, and they just like, just like all right, just put some blue <laughs> like chalk on my face, and that's because like it just it doesn't. It look looked good. like VFX. I don't know. The makeup? I, I, I don't know. I assumed it was just CG. That was the way yeah, it did that it. Maybe. Like it, it just did not look good. Putting little circle dots on people's <laughs> yeah. uh, faces and I don't know what else you call them when you smile. Dimples. Like, right. That's all you do. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I still don't think the Dark Phoenix trailer looks absolutely terrible. The action looks fine, but it's just like, man. I have no idea. Not a clue what's going on in it, though. <laughs> So on that note, let's move on to the flyby here to wrap up this episode, starting with a report from Variety where they revealed that Will Smith will not be returning as Deadshot for The Suicide Squad, directed by James Gunn, and they even noted that he may be recast in the role. Uh, Either way, I feel like it's Will Smith's time in the DC Universe is done. It's kind of sad because Deadshot was one of the the highlights of Suicide Squad for Mm -hmm. me. So to see him just get discarded for scheduling issues, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it scheduling. Well, that, yeah, that, that's what they said it was. <laughs> scheduling issues and so bad, so much that Will Smith does not want this scheduled at all. Right, and it's fine. He was great, but I'm sure whatever Gun can come up with, either recast or just replace, I'm okay with that. Yeah, you don't. I don't think you recast that shot. You just take Joe Manganiello's Deathstroke and add him to the team. Mm, yeah, that works. So we also have a report from Variety again where they said that the Handmaid's Tale star Elizabeth Moss is in early talks to join Universal's Elizabeth <laughs> Elizabeth Man, Invisible Man, <laughs> starring potentially Elizabeth Moss. Uh, it is lit, written and directed by Leigh Whannell, and Johnny Depp is no longer attached to the project. So I th- would assume she's just like the human lead, not obviously the invisible person in the movie. But I mean, Invisible Woman would be good too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The Variety Report didn't specify anything. I've never seen an Invisible Man movie, so I don't know how this traditionally goes. But I feel like her as a person that is friends or colleagues or somebody with the Invisible Man would work, and it just another big role for Elizabeth Moss. So mm-hmm. good for her. 
Uh, and then we also got another report from Variety, big week by Justin Kroll, that Yahya Abdul-Mateen II will join or is in talks to join Jordan Peele's Candyman spiritual sequel is what they're calling it. And then THR also reported that if Beale Street could talk, actress Tayona Paris is also in talks to join the cast as Mateen's girlfriend. Any thoughts? Perfect. Both are great. And up and coming and we'll probably be wondering where their Oscars are really soon. <laughs> we should go ahead and wonder where hers is. Um, at least of nomination because she was terrific. But I mean, she wasn't going to be I mean, yeah, they already got Regina King. Regina King already got in there, so so it's fine. But at the same time, now, yeah, best actress was stacked this year. I don't think there's something. (laughs) I mean, she and she wasn't even the lead, so she can't can't get in there. So they wouldn't call her the lead. Tayona Paris? No, she she was Kiki Lane's sister in the movie. Oh, that wasn't. That's why. Okay. Yeah, there was there (laughs) there was some confusion about that online because comicbook.com kept sharing. The article with Kiki Lane's photo. That's what I saw, and I didn't yeah. read the headlines. So it's just like, okay. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, but uh, yeah, happy for y- Yaya because I thought he was great as Black Manta and Aquaman. Glad to see him get a starring role here. And then Tayona really impressed me. I mean, her, her response in the uh, family scene in If Beale Street Could Talk is one of my favorite parts of that movie. So, if she can bring some of that fire and intensity to the Candyman great start and speaking of aquaman aquaman 2 got a release date this week officially december 16th 2022 four years after the first one is that too long josh or is this right on money yeah yeah that's right on the money because you need all that time for aquaman aquaman was in the works for three years before it came out right so you're gonna need three more Mm -hmm. to get that ready for it yeah i mean i think if warner brothers had its wish it would be coming out 2021 but I think it's probably best to give James Wan a little bit of a break before he dives back into this, pun intended. Uh, and then also, if you want to stick it in December again, 2020 and 2021 both have Avatar sequels. So I don't know if you want to go challenge James Cam with another underwater movie. So Right. Uh, it's probably for the best, even if I would rather get Aquaman 2 much sooner. Yep. So, okay. uh, And then lastly, we got another sequel announced, that being Escape Room 2, a movie we haven't talked about on the podcast other than maybe mentioning I wrote a review for it. Uh, wait, why are you looking at that? Yeah. Did, did no. we review it? No, we didn't review it. Okay, I didn't think I was so. Just like, I was just thinking about your review. That was all. Uh, but Escape Room 2 has been announced. Director Adam Robitel is returning to direct as well, and it has now been given a release date of April 17th, 2020. So moving from January, where it came out in this year, to more of a prime summer your release date in April makes sense. It has made $125 million on a $9 million budget worldwide. So this is a big money maker and I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the next one. Oh really? Yeah. Like I'll go see the, I'll go see a sequel. Okay. I, I want to know what the story is going to be. Cause they, they set up a sequel or you could go an anthology route with escape room. And just be like, all right, now here's a different escape room mm-hmm. and just tell that way. Either one will work for me, but I'm on board. Yeah. Yeah. Those are crazy. Like escape room just like popped up, came out and then disappeared. So fans of the first one will bring people to the next one, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, awesome. If we're still doing the podcast next year, uh, maybe we'll review it. Who knows? Ooh. So on that note, that is all we have for this week and this episode next week. We'll be back with a highly anticipated review. The first real blockbuster of 2019 in Captain Marvel latest mcu film josh is there anything specifically that is got you excited about this new one yes the cat no but also <laughs> goose is, it is such it a is great goose. name for a cast and are spirit you, of top gun but i'm oh yeah are you upset because in the comics 
the cat is named Chewie after Chewbacca because Carol's a big Star Wars fan. Oh. But since it's Disney, are you? Does that does that sway you in any ways? Would you rather be called Chewie, or is that too on the nose? It's too on the nose with Disney owning Star Wars. It feels like it feels like roll your eyes brand synergy. Yeah. But if they eventually let her be a huge Star Wars fan, uh, like Brie Larson did say, she wants to be a Jedi. Yes, I, I be, man, fingers crossed. That'd be so yeah, good. Which would be epic. It would be her leading Ryan Johnson's trilogy. Would yes, be awesome. yes, please. Um, yeah, no, that's fine. I don't really care too much. <laughs> like, I would, I would probably roll my eyes had I not known that prior to the movie. But now it's Goose, and you're excited for Goose. I, I like, yeah, I just think that's cute. But really, it's Sam, like that, and but also Sam Jackson. I want to see what this de aging tech looks like in full bore, like extended periods of time. Uh-huh. Because apparently that's what the Irishman is going to be. Yes. So it's where like 50%. The, where that technology is is going to be a big deal for me. But also it's Captain Marvel. It's Brie Larson who we right. haven't seen on screen since Glass Castle or the yeah, what's Glass the ben, Castle? that Ben movie with the shootout. Oh, Free Fire. yeah, Free Fire. Yeah. I can't think of the last Both, guy's name. Wait, wait, Free Fire was 2017? Mm-hmm. And so was Glass Castle, I think. Yeah, they both came out. Like they, she had like two projects that came right out after that. And then since it's been like right, she hasn't. Kept she didn't do yet. anything last year. No. So, so. I'm just. It's going to be great to see her on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm super excited about this. Obviously, uh, can't wait to see it. Bree's going to crush it. I hope. And then uh, I'm really excited to see the scrolls in action. See how they're introduced into the MCU. See if they lay seeds or anything else. But then also, obviously. What does it mean for Avengers Endgame? Are there mm. going to be any teases? Is the post credit scene setting up how Carol's going to play a factor in there? And then we get new details. So uh, lots of implications here potentially. Reviews are probably dropping now. Uh, yeah. Well, so when you guys are hearing this, the world premiere is tonight on Monday the 4th. The review embargo, I believe, drops on Tuesday the next morning. So. They won't be out by the time you guys are hearing this unless you listen to a day late, which is fine. You can listen to it whenever. And, it's a podcast. Uh, That's it's a podcast. They work. That is how they work. Um, but either way, stay. you can check out all those. And so far, the buzz has been fairly positive. So I can't imagine the reviews being anything but that. So, yep. And speaking of reviews, we'll be back with a big question this week talking about Rotten Tomatoes, whether or not they're helping or hurting the movie industry. Uh, but before we get to that, you'll have to check out check out this episode which you already have and then come back check it out on wednesday but in the meantime be sure to tell us your thoughts everything covered here by between us at friendly film and you can follow me personally on twitter at movie cooper and you can get at me josh it's just joshua ryan and if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe share retweet and more plus head over to itunes and give us a five-star review with comments telling us why you enjoy listening to the show thanks again for tuning in to the offense podcast josh thanks for stopping in everyone and be sure to turn next week for our view of captain marvel